Hello, hello, beautiful people, mi gente bella. Welcome, welcome to the first edition of Santana Says, where we talk about everything from roadblocks to relationships, everything in between, and really the overall journey of life. I am super, super excited to bring you this first edition. This has actually been such a labor of love in the making. It's something that I had thought about for quite some time, but as we, as many of us know, I honestly hadn't believed in my own ability to be able to do it. I have spoken on many different topics in the past, but had not taken that leap of faith to actually start something of of my own. I think it would be a great opportunity to be able to tell you more about who I am and why I wanted to be able to start a show of this kind and a little bit about what my passions are. I have done a little bit of everything. So as the millennial that I am, super proud to be a millennial, super proud to engage in progressive thoughts, liberal movements, and you know just being able to take advantage of all the knowledge that we have in our world and the different movements that we are able to be a part of. I, when I first graduated, first job was actually teaching Spanish. And it was to middle schoolers of all. And they're middle schoolers, if you know, they are an interesting breed. <laughs> they didn't necessarily understand all of the jokes that I had, but at the same time had like such caring spirits and just a lot of, you know, issues they were dealing with. Definitely did that. And that actually took me to the city of Detroit, Michigan. So that was the first and only time that I ever lived outside of our beautiful city of Cleveland, Ohio. So I am coming to you from Cleveland. I love Cleveland. All things Cleveland is all I've ever known. But I did go there. And so I did teach Spanish there and provided educational opportunities in that aspect. I then transitioned to, I actually made my way back to Cleveland after taking that stint in there and actually did a lot, always revolved around students, but I did it in different ways. And so I did everything from like after school programming, some character development and dealt with them. I also have delved a lot into mental health and dealt with individuals in group settings, on individual settings. And what I really found my passion in, especially was when I, after working for my alma mater, I went back to my alma mater, which is Hiram College. So shout out to Hiram. I went there and I was actually working as an admissions counselor. So I was helping with a lot of the diversity efforts and bringing in different students of backgrounds like mine, Latinos and beyond. And so I was able to help a lot. But as much as I love Hiram, it is far from Cleveland. And so that commute started to get to me, especially after the time that we were there. So I wanted to be able to return to Cleveland, do something meaningful here and keep growing that impact. I actually found myself at the Cleveland Rape Crisis Center, and which is an organization that I still hold very near and dear to my heart. And, you know, for any individuals who may not know about it, I encourage you to get to know about it. It's an incredible resource that we have. They have not only just a national, but also pretty much international impact. And there's a lot of individuals that they reach. And so while I was there, I not only was able to help other individuals, but really learn about the value of advocacy advocacy. And to be honest, before I got there, I knew that I always wanted to root for others. I knew that there was a lot that goes on in this world and that I want to be able to speak up about and really help other people navigate through. But it was there that I learned so much just about how you, when you navigate different relationships and you do not process certain things that happen, specifically trauma, which I definitely can't wait to delve more into here is that, you know, it can manifest itself in unhealthy relationships, but you can also find yourself at the hands of abuse. And so I definitely dealt with sexual assault survivors there. There isn't any person there that did not touch my life that I do not still carry and still, 
you know, hold deeply in my heart. And so I definitely learned at the Cleveland Rape Crisis Center so much about that, but also just how to the world of prevention. So I also learned, I actually dealt specifically more direct. So I actually helped this, I went to court, you know, with people. I actually helped them, you know, as they were trying to gather their testimonies together. I was also there from the very beginning when they went to go file a police report for the first time because they were assaulted. So I saw people from every part of their journey but as a result, I definitely learned that there's so much in between that and just the value of education. Because if you've never dealt with things like sexual assault specifically, you know, and you might not have heard about it, it's easy to, you know, to, to quite frankly minimize it or to ignore it, right? And to not necessarily recognize why there's value in having these conversations about it. And I understand that. I've been there. I've been on the different side of that. And I can see why we do that. And also, it's not an easy conversation to have. It's, it's truly not. Not one to, you know, talk about, you know, violence and how it exists in our world and how common it truly is. But unfortunately, it is. We definitely know that there are high numbers, especially when it comes to women, but also it happens to men. And so I don't think that's something we talk about enough. And I certainly, you know, can't wait to introduce you all to survivors and just the incredible stories they have and how I'm also a survivor myself. And although I was not the target of sexual assault, I definitely am somebody that has survived domestic violence. And so I also, I'm going to always have a soft spot for any type of interpersonal violence. And so when it comes to stalking, when it comes to teen violence, when it comes to bullying, these are all things that I think we should take a stand on. I just started my career, though, in the world of sexual assault. So the Rape Crisis Center, like I said, I'm indebted to them for teaching me that. But they did have an educational department. I There were opportunities where I had to be able to present to different individuals, community partners, and sometimes schools and, you know, different individuals. And so was able to be able to do that. But then I really feel that everything took off after the Rape Crisis Center, because I was actually able to go to a local university that I am now a grad student at. And so I did find myself at John Carroll University. There, I was not only able to advocate for others, as I just mentioned, but I was also able to do that prevention work that I just talked to you all about. So being able to tell individuals what it looks like, you know, what violence really looks like, being able to validate for them what it is that happens to them and what resources they have and actually walking through the processes and options. A lot of times when abuse does happen, it is absolutely the result of power and control. Somebody sees somebody else as a target and unfortunately they see the vulnerability that that person has. And instead of, you know, being able to provide some kind of support to that person, they see them as a target. And so unfortunately a lot of the people that inflict abuse, that is what they see. And so the person that, find themselves on the other side of that as a victim or as we like to refer to it as survivors. Those who have actually overcome these events, they do find themselves at the hand of that. And most of the times they don't feel like they have options. So I love to be able to tell people the options that they do have and what they do deserve. And that just because somebody came in and might have done something to them that they do deserve to reclaim their life. And so that's something that I love to be able to do, not just paid, unpaid. It's just work that I plan to do for the rest of my life. I feel like it is just amazing to be able to do that and I just think there's not enough of us that you know band together and be able to help with that but with all of that being said as I'm sharing all of that it probably seems that maybe I've always been somebody that's always been this kind of fighter somebody that has always you know stood up you know when it comes to those situations but not the case <laughs> I actually definitely found my voice as an adult I can confidently say that that is what's true for me as a child 
I was definitely more internal all the time. And so I definitely learned don't speak unless spoken to. You know, you need to follow all rules. Se habla en casa, se queda en casa, which translates to what you say at home stays at home. You don't take that past the home. And so you need to, you know, do as you're told. I took that very seriously. I was the very, very obedient child. And I think the only issue with that is, that, and there are a lot of students like that who, as a result, they're very successful in school. And I was certainly one of them. I actually was the valedictorian of my class, you know, graduated at the top of it, went to college with honors, graduated from college with honors as well. But what I think sometimes gets missed, and it's something that I see absolutely in the work that I do, is that those are the students that we need to, sometimes we think that they are so overachieving and that because of that, there must be nothing going on. Maybe there aren't those issues, but sometimes we miss the fact that, you know, like with me especially, I was overachieving, but I wasn't always talking to people. I did have certain people. I could definitely shout out the few friends that I could count on one hand that I had who were my venting partners, but most of the time, I honestly kept to myself. I even remember allowing my to have an accident at school just because I did not want to interrupt the teacher didn't want to interrupt her class so I was refused to be able to do that and just said that I'm not gonna I want to follow her rules that much and I really appreciated the positive feedback that I got at school because it wasn't feedback that I was getting at home. And fortunately, that's what I also learned, too, is that that's what sets us up, unfortunately, for this world of vulnerability and a lot of the violence that exists in our world. A lot of abusers will notice that, will notice those gaps and come in and see also that as an opportunity. And there are so far so many students that I still deal with even now as the, you know, as a, so I actually do social work at my school and I do, I encounter so many students that you can tell have a lot of voids, have a lot of gaps, and don't have those individuals that they need to speak to. They haven't identified those resources and, you know, haven't really learned even the proper language to be able to communicate what has happened to them. And so I have seen individuals struggle with using words like rape. And, you know, being able to talk about the difference between rape and assault, knowing what those things are and, you know, actually putting those words to it. I have had many individuals come to me, not just with resources. They honestly just wanted to know if what happened to them was real. And so I think that's been such a big thing for me to be able to realize and such a humbling thing that some of us are dealing with so many pains and so many traumatic events that have happened to us, but we don't even, we haven't even had the chance to identify or recognize what it even is. And so that often does happen. And definitely for me, I did witness a lot of trauma as a child and, but didn't realize that that's exactly what it was to me is just life as usual. This is what's happening. I'm hearing a lot of fighting. I am seeing, you know, different Vices being used, alcohol especially in my family has definitely been there. But I, to me, it was normal. And, and to me, it was normal to pick up the pieces. So I learned early on as a child, too, to fix things and so always bring a solution. But I didn't really learn how to process things and, like, how do we talk through things and how do we actually have a conversation and how are we going to actually sit down and take accountability? Accountability was not something that we talked about. I didn't do nothing wrong. There isn't anything I need to apologize for. I don't know what you're talking about. Those were things I heard. Meanwhile, at school, I would get compliments for, you know, the things that I would do, the things I would turn in. And so that's why I really turned to school. It was my safe place. I loved school. I know other, you know, for others, some of my friends, they could care less about going to class. They were trying to figure out how to skip class. I had a brother who didn't like going to school. But for me, I just enjoyed being able to have that. And so naturally, as an adult, I did find myself around many students, as you've heard. And so I have helped them in many different ways. Loved it. Also, shout out to Esperanza. That was one of the 
the best jobs I had also where I was able to help students after school. Some of them I still talk to and I'm so proud of like the journey that they've had and where they have landed, you know, and what they're doing with their lives. But I have gone to different places. John Carroll was definitely one of the best. It was the best culminating career that I had because, as mentioned, I was able to per I was able to combine the advocacy with the prevention work, with the educational pieces, and with the resource connections. And so I was able to do all of that together. But the other thing is that we did have what was called a pandemic. If y'all remember and recall, Corona. It was an interesting one, and it's it's not gone. We just don't necessarily talk about it as much, but it is still here. But during that time, the pandemic definitely came and there was a lot of, you know, organizations that had to, you know, eliminate certain things. They had to scale back, essentially, on services that they had. And John Carroll was no different. I actually was the program coordinator there for what was known as the Violence Prevention and Action Center. Loved it. Definitely hold it dearly. Also still still talk to students there. But unfortunately, it became eliminated. You know, human resources came and had that difficult conversation with me about how I could not occupy a position that no longer existed. So it wasn't just that, oh, we're laying you off or, you know, maybe we'll be able to revisit this. They let me know that they had to cut it completely and entirely. And so as a result, I was not able to, you know, keep that but I did love it. I fell in love with the work of being able to do that and wanting to return to that. So I have not stopped doing that. That's why I still do that in my own spare time. And I also really infuse it in anywhere I go. And so I did some other things. I worked at, you know, Youth Opportunities Unlimited for some time. I also worked at Cuyahoga Community College as well. Shout out to their amazing programs. But I also landed currently, I'm actually working for Say Yes Cleveland. And so I'm a family support specialist. That's the full-time job. But I also have work that I do for Planned Parenthood. And so that's another organization that I know makes feelings when it comes to Planned Parenthood. All I usually hear about Planned Parenthood the most is abortions all day. As somebody who works for Planned Parenthood, I can tell you though that that represents 3% of the services that they have. It is actually not the full story, but I get it, right? Because we live in a world where we get a lot of our information from social media or from the news. The news can be scary. They, I mean, they tend to prey on that. I mean, in order for individuals, for them to have that kind of audience, Audience, they do draw upon emotion and so like whether it's really really happy stories or if it's those really dark ones that at least get you thinking and at least get you glued in and you're gonna want to know about what's happening in the world but unfortunately what I know is that it's just not the full picture is what I would say and some things do get left off of there and so definitely that is the current work that I do with Planned Parenthood super proud of the work because I actually get to engage with adults they actually have their own peer education programs that they've been doing for years and so they engage you but I actually got to be part of a program that was new for the very first time. They were actually taking on a pilot program where they were engaging Spanish-speaking adults. And they wanted these adults to go out in the community and have conversations with other Spanish speakers. And so for the first time ever, we're engaging adults and we're doing something in Spanish, the whole thing in Spanish. And so it was a great opportunity to try something new, still doing it. The individuals in it, I thought it would be done by now as actually scheduled to be over in a year. But the individuals in the program loved it so much that honestly, they're the they asked for it to continue. And so we're still doing that work. But also with Say Yes Cleveland, it's this amazing, you know, new organization. And I've met, I've met countless students there. With that work, I do essentially provide support services. And so I'm able to help a lot of different students from a lot of different backgrounds. But given my background, I have absolutely taken the opportunity to educate on the topics that I'm talking about today. And, you know, I still take with me my work that I did at John Carroll and love to be able to educate the students on, you know, violence, you know, how to look out for it 
you know, hopefully how to prevent it and just really how to engage in healthy relationships. That's something that I think we all probably could benefit from learning more about each and every day, just because we're growing individuals ourselves. We absolutely are constantly learning. You know, we're constantly, you know, growing and developing. And as a result, you know, we we have to learn how to communicate with others. You know, and I think there's many tools that we can use that I absolutely want to explore with you all about how we can absolutely achieve that. But I just think it's such a necessary process. You know, when we engage with others, we're humans. We are not perfect. <laughs> we make mistakes. We need to learn how to adjust things with others. We need to know how to be flexible. But in relationships, man, <laughs> if there is a chance that you're tested where you learn about yourself, where you really are on display, you know, and have to learn how to, you know, adapt yourself to also be with another human being who also is, you know, living with you, let alone if they also live with you every day and all of those things, it can get hard. It can get complicated. It's not necessarily the easiest thing to do. But if you add the fact that somebody might have experienced trauma on top of that, if you add the fact that they have ever encountered abuse, it can become that much more complicated. And I think that with the proper tools, I believe that we can live in a world as long as we're having more conversations about it. And as long as we are actually developing those tools that we need, we can definitely make, you know, great things happen and we can lead to more healthier conversations about it. But I definitely getting back to a little bit more about who I am and how it is that I even know Spanish and, you know, how I'm even here today is that I also am a very proud Puerto Rican. And so my mother came here, age of 15. All she's ever known is work. That woman is one of the most hardworking individuals I've ever met. She absolutely, I was definitely proud of the, you know, the home ownership she's done, all the great things she's been able to accomplish, but the road for her has absolutely not been easy. And I've had many conversations with others about, you know, what it is to even be a Puerto Rican in the United States of America. I think that that's also another misconception that is absolutely had is that, you know, Puerto Ricans in the world are definitely, you know, we are a mixed breed. We definitely are part, we are part, I actually know, you know, in, in my definition, Puerto Ricans are not just one thing. They are absolutely part African, they're part Spanish, and they are part Taino. And so I love being able to explore that history, the rich history that it is. I know that I grew up around specifically, you know, Black individuals my whole life. I definitely I know that there's also a lot of controversy when it comes to being able to identify what Puerto Ricans are and whether or not some of them are black. Because when we talk about Latinos and when we talk about, you know, black people, there's a lot of sometimes I definitely see a lot of common struggles because there were a lot of different places where slaves ended up, you know, and there was different ports that they went to. There were different places that they migrated to and that they forcefully taken. I mean, I'm also don't want to say it like it was just something they wanted to do. <laughs> it was absolutely something that was forced upon them. But that absolutely did happen in Puerto Rico. And so we, with Puerto Ricans, I think it's so interesting because we have this rich diversity. We have some that are blonde hair, blue eyed, and then we, we have some that look Haitian and they're all Puerto Rican. And so I think there's absolutely reasons for that. I even represent some of that rich diversity. And I found myself in my own family noticing that diversity. My mother is an entirely different complexion than I am. She is she almost could be mistaken for a white person. Was it, would it not be for her accent? And then I, on the other hand, have my own melanin. I definitely add a different mix to the story. But I would often go to Puerto Rico, you know, with her family and notice that I looked significantly different until it was that I did, you know, meet who in fact was my biological father and got, you know, more acquainted with that side of the family and realized, okay, mystery is solved. And I see why, you know, what diversity I'm a part of and, you know, why I have those different things. But I think... 
it's such an interesting opportunity to talk about that. I also actually identify as Afro-Latina. And so I don't know if that's a new term for some, but Afro-Latinos are individuals that have Latino Latin descent and from Latino countries, but they also identify and recognize their African roots. And so that is where the Afro-Latino is born. And so where that combination comes from. I'm a proud one. I love to be able to acknowledge that. I love to see celebrities that also are doing it, such as, you know, Lala Anthony, who has done it, as well as Amara La Negra. And there are, you know, a lot of different others. And so I definitely am part of that. I don't think that, you know, even when I've seen, you know, there was somewhere it was there was at one point we have we had the Black Lives Matter movement. Absolutely. But then I saw at one point where there was a Latinos for Black Lives Matter movement. I personally was one that felt that that was not needed and that we really should have just been saying Black Lives Matter. Black lives exist in many different diaspora, you know, in all diasporas and different places. And they wherever they are from they matter in general. And so whether that be that they are black people with Latin descent, whether they are black people from Jamaica, from Caribbean areas, or whether that's just a black person that, you know, who grew up and on the street from you. It's just, to me, that is, that is what should be at the forefront of it. And so it's definitely something that I strongly identify with. But as a result, I definitely am, you know, proud Puerto Rican. I definitely love being able to talk about, you know, Latino issues, but also just strong advocate for individuals of color and being able to talk about intersectionality also. And so what it's like to be, you know, to be a part of different groups. When you do add that in, when you're a person of color and you may in, add in, for example, that you might be a woman and you're not making as much as, you know, a male. When you add all these different complexities, if you happen to be a member of the LGBT community, all of those different intersections can add to the discrimination, unfortunately, that you can face in our world and I definitely think that these are things that should be explored and talked about and I think that it's that's why it's great for us to have more conversations but also to see faces that look like ours and you know to have more individuals of color being at the forefront of these conversations and talking about what it is and so I love to be able to engage in that and I love to be part of that and doing it. And so I'm definitely, as mentioned, proud Puerto Rican, proud scholar, <laughs> love to, you know, did everything in school. Also at Hiram, I did start a Hispanic organization that was known as Ola back in the day and love to be able to see so many community champions, a lot of which I actually hope to introduce to you. Some that we have right here in our very own Cleveland who do amazing work and honestly don't get celebrated enough for the work that they do that they don't even get paid for. They essentially just lead so many like community efforts. They put a lot of people together. I know individuals have started, you know, things from the ground up. And this a podcast itself, I want to be part of that. I want to be able to, you know, let you all know, let you in on that world and let you in. And then, you know, we can break the silence and that there's so much value in being able to, you know, not only have more individuals that are talking about conversations like these, but that, you know, there's more community champions like us that look like us and that, you know, we can be able to talk more about it. And so... What I also want to make sure is mentioned with all of that is that, you know, how much more we can say it. And, you know, also for those who don't exactly know that you may have heard about what trauma is, but I want to be able to also make sure that we understand how it affects our lives. And so how even and how childhood ultimately shapes us. And even though childhood is something that is in our past, it absolutely influences our present. And so a lot of the things that we do not deal with in our childhoods can absolutely catch up with us. And I know that that has definitely happened in my own life also. And so I've noticed that. I've noticed that there have been many times where, as I mentioned to all of you, quiet and internalized child, did not speak much, and definitely was obedient. That helped me 
to not communicate when I needed to and to not have my needs addressed. And so there are many times in my life where instead of identifying red flags in situations or identifying unhealthy characteristics, even though I was being able to do good in school and could find my success that way, I definitely couldn't find it in other ways. And so relationships was definitely one of those. I definitely found myself in places that were not healthy. And honestly, that's one of the biggest parts I would say of my story is that I found myself in an unhealthy relationship that I have now, I have now gotten out of, but definitely saw a lot of the effects going into it. I've had a lot of restorative conversations with my own family members leading up into it, you know, and what it went into it. But I just, I think it's just helpful to really be able to come to terms and know that we got to be able to, you know, be honest with ourselves, right? And why some of our shortcomings can allow us to end up in some of these healthy, unhealthy situations. And that's been the biggest part of my own journey is realizing some of that, to be honest, I put myself in that situation. I think that, I don't think I would ever go back to that situation, of course, but I had to realize too where I led to some of the vulnerability that was happening. A lot of my success that I got, even though I loved going to school and getting the validation that I was getting, I used to look a lot for that outside validation. And so I didn't know how to find it in my own self. I would look to the teachers like, well, how am I doing? You know, am I doing well? You know, is this, is this good enough of a product for you? Is this something good that I'm turning in? But I never knew what it was like to just tell myself you're doing a good job or to tell myself that you're okay and what you're doing is fine and that you're on the right path. And I realized that because of that relationships too, instead of already having this healthy sense of self and, you know, knowing what it is that I need and knowing how it is that I like to navigate the world, I definitely look to others, including in including romantic relationships for that validation that I didn't have for myself. And so in the relationship that I was in, that absolutely happened. And I did find myself on the, on that side of it. And I, even though I ended up, you know, committing to this relationship, being married, even having children with this person, unfortunately, there was just a lot that happened in it. And instead of really being able, and I, I know I've heard this often where it's, well, why don't you just, you know, once you see the, once you see those red flags, why don't you just walk away? And, you know, why isn't that, why is it that you just can't, you know, be able to see that and just leave it? It's, it definitely doesn't become easy when you're emotionally attached to a person. But if you also add the fact that you have kids and you've developed some kind of household with that person, it becomes even harder for people to do that. That's why I love to be able to talk so much about the complexities when it comes to sexual assault is definitely not an easy crime. It's this very intimate crime that happens with people that people are not prepared for, that people don't know how to navigate. And they absolutely, it's not something that they see coming. Even when you get robbed, that's not something that, you know, anybody's prepared for. Nobody's ever, oh, I think today, you know, maybe the day that somebody's going to steal from me. That's not something that, that's not a normal thought that people have. That's the same thing that happens with sexual assault. It's definitely not something that people prepare for. And to be honest, a lot of people will surprise themselves. When they find themselves in those situations, they'll freeze in those situations when they often are fighters or they sometimes find themselves not having the words. All of that is normal. All of that is absolutely normal when you have something interrupt your life in that way. Domestic violence is also an interesting one because I think a lot of times when we think about domestic violence, we think just about those hits and about those punches and about those injuries that we can see, but we don't often think about the injuries that happen beneath the surface, those, you know, emotional scars that you, that you definitely carry and how a person can really manipulate your mind. And I can definitely say that even sitting here before you, that that has happened to me. And I have absolutely believed some of the insulting and negative things that were often said to me in relationships and took them to heart. And so it was hard to then 
what, now that I'm already believing these negative things, now to also develop the courage to walk away, I no longer think that I should. <laughs> I no longer think that I do deserve better. I've come to believe that this is me. <laughs> this is all I do deserve. And no, there isn't life on the other side. I need to make this work. This is my life. This is what I've signed up for. And so I need to find a way to, you know, make this happen. So that definitely was an experience. And it was actually, in my case, it was actually my children. And so my children are also amazing I could talk to them I mean I know everybody like is biased and they talk about their own kids and their kids are the best ones in the world but you know for me I love my babies and I just think that they're amazing and they have all these wonderful strengths and I just could never get enough of them but they are definitely my lifesavers and so I know for some I just I can't shout out enough the incredible people who develop that courage to walk away from any abusive situation if you ever have you have my utmost respect <laughs> I know that it takes so much I know that there's so many people that might be you know eroding against you or you know especially the person that might want you to still be in that situation but for you to get up and walk away from that that just makes you incredible and you know for me though it was them it was actually them I did not see when it was me I'm like oh I make excuses I'm like you know well no it's cool it's just having a bad day we gonna get through this we just need to talk through it I just know that you know some stuff is happening and I know that I got with someone I, I've actually notoriously gotten with people that have issues and so I love to fix things as I told you all and and, you know, shout out to us, you know, any individuals in the world, not just ladies, but also men who like to fix others and are those healers. I think what we don't always realize, though, is that that makes us get in these situations where we take on projects. And so we take on projects and we like to be able to help them instead of, you know, getting individuals that can compliment us. And so I found myself in that situation. I was like, oh, I know that they've been through so much. I can help you. I can help you get better. I can help you get out of this. And together we're going to be able to like make all those things work. I didn't realize in the process, you know, how much energy that took out of me and what it really did overall. But, you know, I'm happy to see that now. I'm, I just am in, you know, I definitely think that it was, of course, not something that I wish <laughs> what happened in that way but I honestly don't regret it I definitely think that it gave me knowledge and it's been able to help me help others but getting back to my kids it was actually because growing up the way I did and being as quiet as I was not necessarily knowing who to turn to having select few folks that I you know could and you know certain people that were there but overall feeling very lonely most times and not being able to talk to others about what I saw and all of those things that you know happened to me once my children, one day there was an argument that took place and there was, you know, glass that was shattered. There was a lot that, you know, happened. I took my youngest child upstairs into a different room because I did not want them to see what was happening. And unfortunately, one of my other children was left downstairs. And so I wasn't able to grab both of them at the same time and being able to get out the way. And to this day, I feel bad for not knowing what exactly that child saw and what they witnessed. But what I did know was that was my breaking point. That was the day that I decided, nope, I don't want this to be the situation for my children. I really don't want this to be a situation for anyone that finds themselves in a situation like this and I want us to be able to take that stand and be able to walk away when we see that something is like that and I don't want them to think that this is normal <laughs> that was my biggest thing I was like now they're gonna think that this is okay and that this is normal and that this is how life is and so that day I decided that I had had enough and that I wanted to be able to get better for them and so that definitely awakened a whole new <laughs> chapter for us. It was definitely, of course, it wasn't easy. It definitely, it never is in any of those situations. Even stay in a relationship, that's not always an easy thing, too. I think sometimes, you know, movies make it seem like it's, you know, all the romance is always, you know, popularized. 
But there's a lot of work, a lot of work that goes into, you know, just being a human being in our society and growing and developing, but also making a relationship work with a lot of things that we have in life. There are a lot of choices that we have to make, even being happy. I know I've mentioned this to many individuals, but being happy isn't necessarily something we're given. Happy is something we have to choose, you know, and it's something that you have to constantly work on. You have to choose every day, you know, which emotions you're going to give light to and what you're going to put energy into. And so I definitely think that that's something we, you know, can always work on, but definitely something that, you know, we want to be able to cultivate for better and so that we can really maximize who we are as individuals and really take advantage of our lives. And I knew that day, and still to this day, that that's what I wanted to do. And I love not only these conversations that I'm having with you all, but I love to have them with my kids. And I think that that's not something that I grew up with. And I know that a lot of us probably haven't, but I definitely think that you, there's so much you really can learn from kids and, and not just the ones I have, definitely my own, but with the students that I work with and that I've worked with my entire career, they have taught me more, if not, you know, as, as much or if not more than what I've taught them. I mean, I know that I come in there, I have my resources, I have my agenda. I'm, if I'm a teacher, I had my subject matter and all that. But it's incredible the things that students can teach you and the things that, you know, kids can reveal to you. And honestly, a lot of the weights that they carry, we don't honestly give students you know, a lot of our youth enough credit. And I don't think sometimes, you know, survivors enough credit for the, you know, weight that they carry and what it takes to wake up every day in the midst of these different situations and all of the, you know, things that they take on. And shout out to single mothers, because I definitely, you know, I am one, but also I was raised by one. And so I definitely credit my mother for doing, you know, the best she could with everything that, you know, with what she had and being able to provide, you know, that great lifestyle that she did for me in the midst of it, but definitely want to be able to, you know, speak more on her and also, you know, her journey and those different things. But I also wanted to say that, you know, with motherhood, that has absolutely been one of the most humbling yet rewarding experiences. And it's been amazing to have those open and honest conversations with my children, being able to ask them to where do, you know, where do I stand as your mother? You know, what is, what are things that you want to see, you know, happen in the future? What would you like? And just letting them being able to have that voice and being able to see that what they say matters. <laughs> and so that they, I know that they're younger, but that doesn't mean that they do not have knowledge. And that doesn't mean that they don't have things that they deserve to share and that they they shouldn't be celebrated for sharing that, but know that they can do that safely and securely. And I think that with all of our children, we have that duty to really protect them and really, you know, help them and really help them to thrive. I, I feel oh, my heart always pains when I hear that there's really a lot of children surviving in this world. They're not given the opportunity to thrive, not when their basic needs are not being met, not when they're not even able to be heard for, you know, what it is that they might be experiencing, not when they don't have anyone they can turn to and not when they don't have anyone they can trust. Because I've also noticed that students, kids, youth, especially, they have discernment beyond any other and they're honest to a T. They're going to let you know about, about yourself, about, you know, the world and, you know, how it is that they're feeling but they want to be able to know that they can do that and that it will be welcomed and that their opinions, you know, will be heard and that they'll be celebrated in those different ways. And so I definitely think that we can't do that enough. And that's something that I like to start at home. But, you know, definitely want to be able to always carry that forward. And so I, you know, love being I want to be able to touch on all of that. There's so much there is that the world of prevention and just how much we can definitely educate others and how you know valuable I believe it is to be able to do that work and to engage in that and to have more you know conversations about it, more events and really just let that be the normal instead of us saying that, no, we shouldn't talk about it. Like we know that some some of that stuff doesn't happen here or like human trafficking doesn't happen. Human trafficking 
trafficking is another one. I can get on my soapbox about human trafficking. Maybe it's a term you've heard, like, you know, in passing. Maybe it's something that, you know, you know, you know, a certain amount about. But I can definitely tell you that in Ohio, we are not exempt. Human trafficking absolutely occurs here. Human trafficking, to be exact, is can take on many forms. There is sex trafficking and then there is labor, tra labor trafficking where there is forced labor and individuals are able to, you know, get labor out of them, but they pay them nothing if, if at all, close to nothing or, you know, wages that they cannot live on. And then there's also sex trafficking where the sex itself is actually used to you know for money and for profit and unfortunately where there's an opportunity for that it does happen and there are so many of those things like that that is happening in our world and i feel like we need to be able to bring more awareness to that and how in ohio we are not exempt because we have freeways we have ways for us to be able to get out in and out of the state very quickly and sex traffickers take advantage of that they are able to you know kidnap certain individuals but the other thing is that it's not everything that we've thought of and so a lot of the things that we've grown up thinking that you know abusers and violence and the people that perpetuate these things are these creepy people that we need to really, you know, be wary of. Not really. A lot of the times the people that commit abuse are people we know. And so even in my household, I've when I faced trauma, it was at the hands of people that I knew. It was at the hands of people that I trusted. And it was at the hands of people I couldn't escape from. So when we talk about a lot of these crimes, too, these are sometimes it's happening with people that we're related to. How are we supposed to escape? those people when we live with them how are we supposed to escape those people when we see them at every cookout when we see them at every family function when we're literally crossing paths with them all the time it that's what adds to a lot of the complexities of these situations and that's why i like to fight with it fight as hard as i can for it and against it because that's you know unfortunately the reality for many individuals and so even if they wanted to escape that conversation they can't because they've actually been forced to be in that lifestyle and so I want to be able to delve into that so as y'all as you all are hearing <laughs> there's so much that I want to be able to share with you explore with you and engage and so I want you to be able to know too I know that there are handles there and that you know ways that you can connect with me I want to take this opportunity now and I'm going to always remind you here that I want to be someone that you can reach out to so even if you feel like oh, I don't know, you know, I don't know how I want to be able to explore this conversation. I don't even know where to start on it. Or it's like what you talked about earlier. I don't even have really the words for that. I don't think that's exactly what happened to me. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. It doesn't really matter to me. I just think I love being able to start that conversation at any place and in any way. And so if I can ever be a resource to anyone, I want you to know that you can. If it's just to talk about, you know, what it is that you may be thinking about, if it's to explore options and what's out there, or if it's, you know what, I resonated with some of that and I just want to be able to know that I could talk to somebody that's been through similar experiences. How do I navigate that? And what can I do about it? I want to be that person for you. And, you know, I want to be able to be someone, you know, here providing, you know, messages and being able to introduce you all to different people but again if I could be a source of support resource or what have you that is going to literally be that's the whole point of what I want to be able to do it's what I love to do already and it's what I would definitely love love to be able to do in the future and so I already I already got a shout out to anybody that's already listening because listen I'm just excited that we are on this journey together and that you're already engaging you know with it and that you're sharing this journey with me because like I told y'all took me a little minute to be able to even start it and I'm I'm just glad that it's here now and that we can, you know, explore these different things together, but also, you know, grow up together, grow and glow. Let's, you know, do what we can and be able to continue, you know, working on all those different things into the future. And so I also want to be able to let you all know that I do engage a in a little bit of poetry also. And so 
I want to be able to also share one with you about because today I've been talking a lot about who I am, what do I do, you know, why I'm here, why I like this work. And so I also wrote a poem once and it was actually entitled, Who Am I? I do want to share that also with you. I am love. I am light. I am peace, but I still fight. I am the heat that brings soul to your night. I am a woman who is still owning her roar. I am a Latina who is still learning how to soar. I am a mother, a teacher, a healer, and friend. When the answer isn't clear, it's me who they send. That doesn't mean I'm an expert or that I carry a crystal ball, but I love communicating with people and helping them see the beauty behind their fall. So many see mistakes as setbacks or justifications for defeat. I remind people every day that they should tell their haters to take a seat. People aren't ready for your unmistakable grace. Many people make you question why you enter their space. It's because we all carry insecurities and try to bury their existence. We see the world's issues, but don't want to join the resistance. Taking a stand is never easy. Feeling alone is always hard. But there is freedom in vulnerability instead of always holding up that guard. I am a lover. I am a fighter. I see beauty in pain. I think we are amazing individually, but we need each other to stay sane. I love building community and making connections where they don't exist. I love with my whole heart and fight with way more than just my fists. I am you. You are me. There is power in we. Don't let the world stunt your growth, dim your light, or block your shine. If people question your journey, let them know you're just fine. I am love. I am light. I am still owning my roar. Now I ask, who are you and what are you living for? Thank you all so very much. I cannot thank you enough for tuning in, for even lending an ear to the show and, you know, being here with me today. And I would love, love, love to get your feedback on any and all things, whether it's just commentary, whether it's questions, whether it's ideas, any way that we connect. I want to be able to do that with you. I would love for you to email me if you would like to. You can also follow me on Instagram, DM me, send me a personal message, whatever is more comfortable for you. But please feel free to reach out. I want to be able to connect with you, learn with you grow with you and please be sure to tune in next friday for the next edition of the show and being able to hear more about this conversation so we continue growing and glowing with one another and developing everything together thank you